the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. It's good to be back home, amen, into the house of the Lord. So, Father, we just thank you and we praise you for this tithes and offerings that you're bringing in. Lord, we know that, Lord God, that this is the only thing we can test you in. And, Lord God, it's not even a test. Lord, you always provide for us. You always are there for us. You are Jehovah Jireh, and you are Jehovah Rapha. And, Lord God, we thank you and we praise you for what you're doing and what you've done. And, Lord, I just believe right now in Jesus' name that this offering that we take up should go to Mark and Terry to help them with any damages that went to their house. Amen? That, Lord, when we give today, we're going we're gonna to give this whole offering to Mark and Terry down in Florida. We'll send it to them. Lord God, to help them with their home and any damage that they had in Jesus' name. Amen? So, Lord, we just thank you and we just praise you for this. We thank you, Lord God, for your tithes and offering that you're bringing in. We pray that we would um, send it right out, Lord God. The, uh, whatever it is that you bring in would go, to, would go to them to help them with any damages that they had to their house. We thank you, Lord God, that you protected them with this hurricane. You protected the family. So many people have lost so much, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that, Lord, you answered our prayers of protection because the hurricane went right over top of them, Lord God, but you protected them in Jesus' name. And we just give you all the praise and honor and glory. Amen? Amen. Yeah, thank God, huh? That was an answer to prayer. An answer to prayer. All right, so this week... I just want to give you guys an overview because Julie and I were gone last week. We didn't have church here on the hill because we went to a conference down in Morningstar. And like I said, I wasn't lying when Julie preached my message this morning. But I wanted to share with you what I felt like I've learned or what I felt that the Lord or the Holy Spirit was telling me. Or showing me. On this trip. So this, the last few days, I, I've looked over my notes a few times of this trip. But this morning as I was overviewing my notes. And praying about what God wanted me to share with you. I felt like the Lord said, it's good to take notes. Aren't you glad that you took notes now? <laughs> you know, as I was preparing for this message. And I just want to encourage you. You know, if you're not a note taker, to take notes. Especially what God is speaking to you about. You should always write it down. Always. Because if you believe that God is speaking to you about something, even if it's a thought that comes to your mind, that just comes out of nowhere, that you don't know what it actually is, you should write it down. Because that could, and this is how we discern and learn how the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. How we know if that was a God thing or not. All right? Because you don't know. Sometimes the Lord can speak something to you crazy, but then all of a sudden, a day or two later, that crazy thing happens. You know, and you're like, wow. But if you have your notes, you can look back and say, wow, I wrote that down. I remember the Lord was speaking to me about this or, or about something. I didn't know what it was, but I wrote it down anyways. So... And especially 
you should always take notes or write down words that are given to you by other people. Right? Always should, you should always do that. Words or prophecies. So that way you can always look back and remember what they said. Right? And sometimes those words don't come to pass for a long time. But you've got to be patient because God's timing is not our timing. God's timing is God's timing. He's on a holy, totally, he's on a holy and totally holy different clock than we are on. Amen? So his ways are better than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Amen? So you always got to remember that. But, and you know, scripturally, in Luke chapter 2, it tells us, you know, in Luke chapter 2, it's a funny thing, because, you know, when you think about remembering and stuff like that, like, as an example, Julie and I this week, you know, I, it was just the other day, that didn't I go through you, I said, you got to remember all the things we've done. You know, the Israelites all the times, a lot of times when they would do things, they would set up stone altars in memory of. They did it when they crossed over the Jordan, right? They went back into the Jordan River and they grabbed the 12 representatives from the 12 tribes of Israel, each grabbed a stone and they set it up as a remembrance of when they were in the wilderness and when God brought them out of the wilderness and through the Jordan River, right? But it says in the Word as an example of this, I mean, that's just one example. God has many examples where he wants us to remember things, right? Like, look at his word. We read his word. It was written 6,000 years ago. But we read it all the time, and we do it in remembrance of who the Lord is, who's in control, who's the creator, and that he has great plans for all of us, plans to prosper us and be in good health. But in Luke chapter 2, tells of the birth of Jesus. Now, I've read this account of the birth of Jesus almost every Christmas morning. And all my kids and grandkids will tell you. I sit down and we read the Bible account of Jesus' birth before we can open up presents. And tell, I tell you what, they're in a hurry. They want me to read the short version of the birth of Jesus because they really want to go and open up presents of what they got. So every, every year I do this, every, every uh, Christmas morning, now almost, almost 30 years, 28 years, and going. But Mary, in her own way, remembered all the things what God has done. And she pondered them. She pondered those things. And that's something that, you know, that we have not done, honestly, when is the last time that you've opened up the Bible and pondered the words of God? Now, pondering to me means to think about, pray about, and just kind of meditate on. Right? A lot of times we're so busy that it's like I don't have time to ponder. And I'm speaking to myself, to me. Wait, hold on. This is what Tony Evans taught us this morning. My wife said it. To you, to me, to us. <laughs> That's what Tony, Tony Evans said. That's one thing I learned from Tony. I listened to a Tony Evans message. But like Mary, 
We need to take time to ponder what God is saying and what God is doing and what God has done. Right? It says in Luke chapter 2, verse 19, it says, But Mary treasured up all these things in her heart, pondered them in her heart. She treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. All these things. You know what that account is talking about? In Luke chapter 2, it's talking about when the wise men came to Mary. And you can think about this. You're a wise man in the field and you're watching over your flock. All of a sudden the heavens open up and there's a multitude of angels praising God, giving joy and praising God and singing songs. Because Jesus is born in a manger. Can you imagine that? All of a sudden, you're out there and the heavens open up and a multitude of angels start praising God and worshiping God. You know, one of these days, the heavens are going to open up again, right? And we're going to see the Lord Jesus on his white horse on the clouds. And he's going to tell his angels to blow the trumpet and then go down and gather up my elect. And then we're going to be caught up in the air with Jesus. It's going to be amazing. It'll be like the shepherds, don't you think? We'll be like the shepherds when we look up and we're in amazement and we see them. Remember and ponder these things. Remember the words that God has spoken over your life. Ponder them. Do not let them leave your heart or your mind or your thoughts. But think about these things and meditate on these things. And if we don't, especially for myself, if I don't write these things down, I'll have a tendency to forget them many times. Because I'll be busy. Our lives are not going any slower as I'm getting older. My life is not slowing down, but it's getting faster and faster as time is excelling at an accelerated rate. And that's also scriptural, that it will be like time will be accelerating in the end days. It's another sign of the end days and the days that we're living in, is the acceleration of time and how fast things are going. And I think, I, think, I don't know, but my uh, NASA scholar back there might tell you that the earth might be speeding up, actually. But in our busyness, and with our busy lives, things are going so fast. All of our kids are growing up and our grandkids are growing up. <clears throat> and it's easy to get caught up in all of the things that are going on around us. It's easy to get caught up in the things that we see and that we do. We look, and here's a thing I wrote down, and I can't remember where, where I heard this from, but I know I heard it, and it wasn't that long ago. But we look at the urgent instead of the important. We kind of forget about the important because we're so focused on the urgent. But the urgent really isn't that important. 
The urgent is just going around putting out fires. It's like being on a, it's like a hamster on a, on a wheel, you know, going nowhere. And there's a story about that that, I, that I really relates to this. It's in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. If you got your Bibles, you can go there. I'm trying out my new, it's not really new, but my iPad here, or not iPad, it's a Samsung thing. But I used it this last week, and I really liked it because it was pretty fast at getting me where I wanted to find the scriptures and stuff where everybody was uh, sharing from. All right, let's see here. It even It can even go right down to the very verse. But Luke chapter 10, now it's not going to work. Look at that. Oh, there you go. Moving slow. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. He says, the home of Martha and Mary. You probably all have heard this before many times, this story. But I'll read it to you anyways. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her house to him. She said she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Jesus answered, I love how Jesus answered her, Martha, Martha. I like to say it like three or four times. Martha, 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 Martha. <laughs> the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. That's a great example of doing the urgent and missing the important. See, Martha was doing the urgent. She was concerned about her house, about all the preparations. She was more concerned about that than being at, with Jesus, which is the most important thing that we can be at and do. So we have to be careful ourselves. We should take this as a lesson to learn that we have to be careful not to get caught up in the urgent. Not that sometimes the urgent things aren't important, but that we have to look at what is the most important thing that we should be doing. Amen? I mean, we all can relate to how Martha felt. And we all can relate to, you know, Martha herself. I mean, we've all probably been in that same experience and felt the same way she felt. Well, I'm doing all this and all this and all this work. What are you doing? So you have to be really careful. We have to be really careful. That's, you can go look at that in judging and judging others. We've got to be careful there. <clears throat> and I'll be honest with you, when, we, when my wife said, you know, when she asked me to go on this trip to Morningstar, I kind of felt like I couldn't leave. I had too many urgent things that I had to do. Right? 
But then I know God said to me that no, I should go. That we should go. Because we really were like, no, we're not going to go. We're going to cancel the trip. We're going to cancel our reservations. We have too much stuff going on. We're too busy. We're not going to, we, we need to get all this other stuff done. But I'm glad that we went on this trip. I'm glad because it was important not for, you know, it was important for us for hearing from the word of God. It was important for us to spend time together as husband and wife. You know, besides outside of work, besides working all the time. And just being fed by others, you know, and, and listening to the word. And entering in worship. So, I'm glad that we went. I think it was important that we went. It was important for us to hear from the word of God. I think we've done. We've done that. And it's not that it stops there, it keeps going, because as Christians we should always be listening and with our ears open to what God has to say for us, for direction every day. So the first day after driving all the way down, it took about almost 12 hours to get there. After driving all the way down there, the first thing happened when we stepped into the hotel room and went up into our room is that I felt like an earthquake took place. And I had to hold on to the wall. I looked over to my wife and I told her, I feel like I'm going to faint. Did, did you feel an earthquake? And then I thought I was having a heart attack. <laughs> As we were going and getting into our hotel room, it literally felt like there was waves, that the ground was moving from underneath my feet and that I was going to fall over and pass out. And I actually, that actually happened. But we settled in for the night, and the next morning, we went down for the morning services, which there was three services each day. Morning, there was a morning service, there was an afternoon service, and an evening service. But the, all I could picture in my mind on the first day was a picture of a tree with an apple on it that was rotting. And I thought to myself, Lord, what does this mean? What, what are you trying to tell me? And I, I've never had an open vision before. I've never had, you know, I've never had the Lord give me a vision while I was awake or anything. I've had dreams, as I know, were godly dreams. But I've never had like an open vision before. And I'm not saying this was an open vision. I'm still praying about this whole thing. But I felt like... The Lord was saying that the fruit is ripe, but it's rotting on the tree. People are ripe, but there's not enough harvesters to harvest. And the apples, the fruit, are rotting on the tree. And then Rick Joyner was speaking that morning. And one thing that he said, that I wrote down in my notes, I took good notes, is that the Holy Spirit moves in waves in waves, and then it seems like every seventh wave, there's a big, powerful wave that comes. If you count the waves, he said every seventh wave seems like it's a stronger, more powerful wave. And I know he's speaking not just in the natural, but in the spiritual. But I said to myself, and I shared this with Julie when we were there, I said, so what if you are caught in the cycle of the third or fifth wave? And you start your count 
on the third or fifth wave, then you'll miss the seventh wave. Right? Because if, you have, if you're counting waves, you're counting every seven waves, but if you start your count on wave number three, you're always going to end on wave number three. You're never going to get to the you're never going to get to the big wave, or the bit or the big move of the Holy Spirit, or sense the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be off. Our hearing is off. Our discernment is off. Our seeing is off. Amen. So I was praying about that. You know, and it was funny because when we went to the ocean, because we went to the ocean afterwards, I actually was counting waves. You know, I was actually counting the real waves. I'm sure Julie probably did, but she probably didn't tell me. But, <laughs> but like we were counting to see, we, all right, which is the big wave? I know we both looked. Was that the big wave or was that a <laughs> small wave? But so because you want to be as Christians, we want to be in tune with the Holy Spirit, right? Right? You don't want to be off tune. So the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So if the enemy comes, he wants to get you off that count. He doesn't want you to be on count. He does not want you to be on timing with the Holy Spirit. He wants your timing off. He wants you trapped on the third, fourth, fifth, sixth wave, second wave. He doesn't want you trapped. He doesn't want you on the seventh wave where you are in tune with the Holy Spirit and you're, and you're hearing it clear. What God has. So we really need to pray for discernment. So that's one thing that I got about praying for discernment, making sure that we are on the same wave as the Holy Spirit, and that we need to work on our discernment. The other thing, like he spoke to us, and, and Ephraim, you probably know this the miracle of the Hubble telescope. The miracle of the Hubble. Do you know what it is? The miracle of what they did to the Hubble telescope? What they did to make it work? So what they did to make the Hubble telescope work, right? They spent all this money, mil millions if not billions of dollars to get this telescope up into the sky. And when they put it up in there and they turned it on, you couldn't see anything, right? It didn't work. So then, what did they do? You remembering? They sent astronauts up there, and they pretty much fitted the Hubble telescope with a contact lens to correct the lens of the telescope. And they said the telescope was off only one 50th of a, if you take the size of a hair, the size of a human hair, the telescope was only off 150th of that size of a human hair. Just so minute. I mean, like, I can't even imagine. But because it was off 150th of that human hair, that it couldn't see anything. They couldn't see anything. So what they did is they tested the Hubble telescope, right? They took the Hubble and they turned it to a, a place out in space where they didn't think they would see anything, where there was nothing there. When you looked out of the naked eye, it just looked like blackness. 
just total darkness. And this is and what they what they did is when they turned it on, and what they saw just totally amazed them. It's called it was the it's called the most important picture in the whole world. What the Hubble captured, all of the distant galaxies and stars, like and this was like you took one little square inch of the sky. And what they caught in that one little square inch of the sky just blew, just took all the scientists' belief that they thought was nothing there, and it just blew their minds away because there were so many different galaxies. What's that? Tons of galaxies, tons of stars, things that they never even thought could be imagined, and they were just blown away because they just thought of the vastness of the universe and how big, you know, their, their thing of how big the universe is just totally destroyed their theories about the Hubble telescope. And now they have the James Webb telescope up there, which is capturing even greater pictures than the Hubble, which, you know, there's been scientists that have believed in the Big Bang Theory, which just totally blew their Big Bang Theory away out of the water. So there's just so many things in amazement, in amazements, amazement of what's, what they're capturing right now in those telescopes. The, the James Webb telescope says that it's making people believe more and more into God because there's no way that all of this can happen without a creator. There's no way. Yeah, the James Webb is just proving creation. It's just proving the existence of God. And they're not, even, they're not even sharing with us all of the things they've captured with that new telescope because it's just amazing. So, one thing that Rick Joyner said is that God in these last days, like the miracle of the Hubble telescope where he fitted it with a contact lens, that God in these last days is going to correct our spiritual vision. He's going to put a lens on our eyes to see spiritually. So I thought that was really important, so I wrote it down. Right? And I believe that's going to happen. Because right now we only see with a veil. You know, that's what the Word says. We only see the whole truth as a veil. Well, I believe, you know, and as we go to heaven, we're going to see the whole truth, period. You know, can you imagine being in heaven and watching God create universes and galaxies? We're going to be able to do that. We're going to be able to sit back in awe of our creator as he is spinning galaxies out in the universe because it's ever expanding. As he speaks the word, just like he spoke the word over creation. Just like when God said, let there be light, and bam, there was light. We're going to see God create galaxies just by his spoken word. We're going to be in so much awe of the presence of God. You know, it's like we learned this week. No wonder that the angels, all they can sing around the throne of God is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they've been singing it for 6,000 years, and the tune hasn't changed, you know. 
Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Can you imagine being around the throne of God and just watching him create all these things? All you're going to be able to say is, you're going to be in so much awe and wonder and amazement of God that you're going to be like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He just created, did you see that? He created another universe. Just like that. Just by the word. Just by his word. We're going to be in so much, I'm, I'm getting excited thinking about it, you know. That's the great, that's how great our God is. And that's our destination, is the kingdom of heaven. And not only is that our destination, but the destination of the heaven is coming to this earth. The kingdom of heaven is coming to this earth. Jesus preached it. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, that's part of his prayer. He went around and preached his kingdom's coming. Are you ready for that kingdom to come? That's where we've got to be. That's my job is to get you ready for the kingdom of God to appear. Amen? Amen. And we need to be on fire about it. We don't need to be lulled to sleep. We don't need to be ignited. We need to be excited. You know? That's what we need to be. We need to be thinking about that day. We need to be pondering that every day. Hey, every day the kingdom of God is drawing nearer and nearer. Every day Jesus is getting closer and closer. His return is more imminent today than it was yesterday, and it's going to be more imminent tomorrow than it was today. Amen? Another thing that we can expect that I heard that I wrote down, um, this one is from one of their leaders there at Morningstar. His name is Tom Hardiman. And he said that God is going to change our spiritual orders in these last days. So be praying about that. Lord, what are my spiritual orders? What orders do you have for me to follow? Because we are soldiers in the kingdom of God. And as soldiers, we follow order, orders. And serving in the military, and I know my father-in-law has, we followed orders. If we didn't follow orders, then we got in trouble. So we got pretty good at following orders. So we need to be praying about what is our next spiritual order this time in our lives. What is God calling us to? You know? Where are we going? What's going on? An example of that is one of the other leaders there. His name is Mike Fickus. He said that 27 people were going to be moving to Morningstar Ministries that were in that conference. 27 people were going to be moving there. So you really want to discern if that's a spiritual order that God is calling you or us to do. But you, those are things that you need to pray about and seek and ask God about. Amen? Always. Because God can be calling us anywhere around the world to be a light for the world, to save somebody, or to, or to do something for Him. Amen? That's greater than we could even imagine. The other thing that he talked about, and Rick Joyner said this, and Julie shared it there, was that the the church, how the church began, 
was in small little groups, home groups, and that the church is going to end, the ecclesiast is going to end, which is the church, right, will end in small home groups again. That, and, you know, you have to understand, this is coming from a big church. You know, Morningstar Ministries, the old PTL building, it's a huge facility. They probably fit three to 5,000 people in there, you know, in their building. But they're saying and they're believing that God's told them that the time of the big churches are going to be over. And that it's gonna, the church will end, that God is going to end this church the way he started it. And that was back in the home groups. Well, that gave me faith for our church. Because our church is like a big home church with family. You know, and that encouraged me. You know, I don't know if it encouraged Julie, but that encouraged me to stay faithful to my family, to our little home church here on the hill. And if God has a plan for this plan to grow, then this church will grow. If he doesn't, then we need to be thankful and we need to keep pressing in to what God has called us to do right here on this hill. Amen? So those are a couple things that I've got. Now, this is only day one. All right? I'm only sharing with you what day one is. Yeah, Julie's looking at her clock. Her watch. So, but all of this is that one quote that he had here, and I wanted to share it with you, is that don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise small beginnings. Because what did he say here? Okay. I wrote it down. I know I did. I want to say big things come in small packages. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, that's a saying I've heard. But it's kind of what he was saying. Rick Jordan said that small is God's next big. Small is God's next big. Think about it. With this small group that we have right here, we were able to lay hands on everybody and pray. There it is. By the way, thank you, Joe, for getting that up there. This, or Ephraim, this is the picture that the Hubble telescope took in space where they could see absolutely nothing. And look at what the telescope caught. That's if you look up in the sky, and that's only one square inch of the sky. Billions of galaxies in that thing, my wife said. That's if you looked up the sky and you looked out and all you could see was black with your eye, with your naked eye. The Hubble captured that. that they, they call it the most important picture in the world. Most important picture ever taken, thanks to Ephraim. What's it called? Hubble Deep Field Pictures, the most important picture ever taken. Isn't that amazing? That's one square inch of our sky. That photo right there that has one that has billions of galaxies and stars in it. And, and who knows what else? Each galaxy has its own planets. It's amazing what God can do. It's amazing what God is doing that we don't even see. Yes. 
Yeah. Did you hear what my wife just said, Julie? Said the Hubble, the, what's it called to get that from? The Hubble Deep Field is a fulfillment of prophecy that God was going to open our vision. And that picture right there opens up our vision of who God is. You look at that and you think, wow, I could paint that with some all different color paints and splatter it on there. <laughs> Get a black screen and I can paint that. But just think about God. He paints that with his word. And, you know, he does that with his word. And not only that, my painting would be just paint splattered. God's painting is alive. Those planets, each one of those stars has planets orbiting around it that have been perfectly placed by God. And each one of those galaxies is perfectly placed in that universe by God. It's amazing. God is amazing. We, we can, we're just, like I said, when we go to heaven, we're just going to stand in awe and wonder of God. For, I mean, I'm just going to stand there in awe and wonder and amazement of what God can do. So, praise the Lord. So, small is God's next big, so don't despise small beginnings. And where we're at, the one thing like it was, like we were able to lay hands on everybody and pray for them this morning. You know, we know each other. We've built relationships. In small groups, you build relationships. Like Julie said, in those big churches where there's three or 5,000 together, if they didn't have smaller groups in the midst of those, you, can't, you wouldn't be able to build relationships. They would come to church, hear the word of God, and leave. Worship for a few minutes and leave and come back on Sunday. Nobody would get to know or, you know, and, and, and relate with other people. And God's all about relationships. God wants relationships. He wants a relationship with us. And we can have that relationship with us if we just surrender our lives to him and say, God, come into my heart. Make me your Lord and Savior. Amen? I surrender my life to you. I submit to you. Your way, your will. Amen? So, Father, I just thank you and praise you. I'm going to stop right there. Lord God, on day one, I'll stop on day one. And I think maybe next week, if it's God's will, that Julie will share what God spoke to her. We'll let Julie preach next week and share what God spoke to her over the conference. But Lord, I just thank you and praise you that we were able to go, even in the midst of our busyness, that we took time out of our schedule to go, Lord God, and be ministered to, Lord God, and to, and to be part of the body of Christ. And, and I do believe, Lord God, that this place here that you've given us, Lord God, this building, that it'll be a, filled with worship. And that's what it should be. It should be a place where we come and get filled with worship, where we pour our hearts out to you in praise and worship and prayer, Lord God. And I believe that in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray that you would show us your will for this place. Help us, Lord God, always. Give us direction. Help us to see. Lord, put those spiritual contacts over our eyes and our hearts and our ears. Lord God, I pray for spiritual hearing aids so we can miracle ears. Lord God, in Jesus' mighty name, we pray this. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Amen.